0: So today we're going to go, we're looking at 1 Peter Part 2 today. Um, not that we're looking at 2 Peter as in his second letter, we are looking at 1 Peter a little bit more. We looked at 1 Peter last week, and last week we looked at 1 Peter and had talked about, and we discussed the fact that these, these new believers, these Gentile believers in this land of, uh, that is modern-day Turkey, that they were facing persecution and hardships and trials And Peter is reminding them of the living hope that they have been given, that they have been given by a gracious and merciful Father through Jesus Christ. And through the trials and all the things that you're going to experience in life and all the hard things that come your way, you're going to have an opportunity to put your faith into action. And there's going to be this refining process that you go through throughout your life while we place our faith in action. So we talked about the suffering that we incur. It's one of the happy sermons where we talked about suffering. So today we're gonna to talk about everyone's favorite topic or second favorite topic submission. We're gonna talk about submission. It's a loaded two weeks from suffering and submission. Yay. Everybody's excited to come to church for this pressure, but they haven't said the first service was good, so now this one has to be good too. So if you're willing and able, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, as is our tradition. but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This is God's word. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the days you've given us. And Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that we would do what only you can do, that by your power you can transform our minds and our hearts And, Father, we ask for that today. We thank you for your mercy and grace that you've poured out upon us, the living hope that you've offered. And, Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we start off, and it says here in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be the emperor supreme or the governor's, It says, be subject. So when we look at the word subject, it, it doesn't stray very far from what we normally think of when we read the word subject. To be submissive. To obey. It says to be subject for the Lord's sake to every. And when you look at the word for every here, it means every. It means all. It doesn't mean... Uh, some or not some, or mm, you don't have to obey ones that you don't deem good or ideal or trustworthy. And it says that we're to be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. And this is absolutely 100% referring to government. That is for certain. And today we're going to look about some of the other institutions as well that God has established for us to be submissive to because everybody loves submission. And the first we're going to talk about is in your family. And if you have a Bible like mine, there's, there's, there's a heading for like in chapter 3, it says wives and husbands, right? Like there's a section talking to wives and husbands. But here in family, I'm talking about kind of like in the child-parent relationship. And if we look in chapter 1, starting in verse 13, it says, "'Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct.'" Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. As obedient children. Now, he's definitely being figurative here in describing our relationship to God. We've come into relationship with God. He is our father and we are his children. And as this heavenly heavenly relationship we have as, as, as Father, He is going to discipline us. He's going to expect us to be submissive to Him. He's going to look after us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide an inheritance for us, as we looked at last week. As we looked at last week. And He says, as obedient children, this is the picture He's using. And the children are to be obedient. They are to be obedient. If we look at uh, the Ten Commandments, you can find it in Exodus or in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And this is my favorite commandment of all the commandments. It says, Honor your father and mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that the days may be long and that it may go well with you. That it may go well with you. Honor your father and mother. Amen it may go well with you, and you can live long in the land. Children are to honor your father and mother. And what does this look like? What does this look like? And that's where I go, I, I've heard this before where people are like, you've got to honor your parents. It doesn't mean you have to like them, right? You don't have to love them. You can still honor them. I go, oh, that sounds good because, you know, so, sometimes you like your parents and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have good parents and sometimes you don't. How do we honor our parents? I find myself at home with my children always telling my children that I want them to be good listeners. We need to be good listeners. And what I then have to clarify sometimes is because daddy wants you to listen to what I'm telling you and then I want you to do something. I want you to do it. I want you to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. I want you to have ears to hear. For those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And I want you to do it. In my house growing up, when I was younger, when I was a child, my father would take it to the next level. And this is one of those statements I'm going to tell you today that I just despised hearing as a child. Is my father would tell me, I want you to see the need. It's no longer enough that I honor you in doing this, that I now don't have to be repeatedly told to do it. What needs to be done, I want you to see the need and see what needs to be done, and I want you to do it. I don't want you, I don't want to have to tell you to empty the garbage. I want you to see that the garbage is full and take it out. I want you to see the need. That we're to obey. And this is how we honor our parents. What I long for my children as they as they grow up is that they know the Lord and they walk with the Lord. If they do that, they will honor me. Because that's what I want for them. I don't care about their careers or what they do. I can't say I don't care about who, like, they marry, their spouse. Like, I care, right? That's their choice. (laughs) But if they honor me, they've heeded the words that I've said and they've listened to them. We all, like, there's people that like to learn the easy way and the hard way, right? I joked that the Sidley way, we like to learn the hard way. We like to go and just do things and experience it and learn from the experience. And there's that way. Then there are those that are gracious and wise enough to learn just from listening to their parents and listening to people and saying, oh, what you say sounds good. I, I won't do that or I will do this. So children, obey your parents for it is right. You don't need to honor me with gifts and cards and shower me with all sorts of wonderful things. And children, you can still do that to your mothers. Moms still like cards and flowers. Do that. It says then in the next institution that we look at is the government. In chapter 2, verse 13, as it continued on, every human, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Peter's talking about the emperor this would be the emperor of Rome. He's not a Christian leader. This is not an appointed king like David or Solomon. or You know, like this, this, is, this is Rome's emperor. He was not elected. And he talks about the governors, different forms and varying forms of the government. And their, their role, as he describes here, sounds good to me, those that have been sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Now, whenever you start talking about the government, it's a a touchy subject. There's definitely extremes that are out there. There are uh, instances where the laws of the land can come in conflict with the laws of God. But I have to say, if you're like me, and you start to hear this topic or some of the other ones, and if you're quick to jump to the exceptions if you're quick to jump to the reasons as to why I don't need to submit to that, chances are that's an area in your life that you need to practice some submission. Now, we've had a a huge dose of this as of late with COVID, right? Do we submit to the government? Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Do we distance? Do we not distance? Do we have small groups, no small groups, no large gatherings, Uh, sanitize chairs, sanitize this, do this, do that? We've all been there. We've all experienced it. We've all lived through it. And you can have your personal opinions. We can have our questions. We can have our complaints about people's motives and all these things. Our default state should be to submit. That we're servants of God. Is what we've been asked to do been a violation of God's law over this last year? Are we in a state of rebellion Or are we submissive? We now have rows of chairs. Things are open. We're excited. And I'm liking the cushy seats. Are they still comfortable? We're a few minutes into the sermon now. Yes, Bob's saying they're still good. Everybody else's backsides are getting tired. Bob's got the good chair. Yep. There's room up front. The next institution we're going to look at here is it talks about is servants. In verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18. But the appropriate term here is not servants. It's slaves. He's talking to those that are enslaved. I think it's important to point out that he's addressing them as people, not property. Because at this time, slavery was very common. It was very common for when countries were conquered, that you'd take people back and they'd become your slaves. People were captured and turned into slaves. It was also used as a form of punitive punishment. If you couldn't pay all your debts, if you had racked up all this money that you owed someone, you couldn't pay it off. They wouldn't just throw you in jail. We're going to sell you into slavery and you're going to pay it off. And it just so happens that apparently the good news of Jesus Christ was appealing to a lot of slaves in the region. It was appealing to them. And here it says, servants, slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. We talked a little bit about this last week. Not just to the good, but to the unjust. The emphasis here is on obedience. And this is not a passage where people go, man, like the Bible's condoning slavery. It's talking about it here. It's telling me to submit to masters. That's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying. The Bible has letters that are written here about uh, the conduct of slaves. Paul writes about uh, slave owners, slave masters, reminding them that you both serve the same master in heaven and how you treat your slaves. Is this the Bible condoning it? There's Old Testament scripture on it. But this is one of those topics that's very similar to divorce. When Jesus was asked about divorce in Matthew chapter 19, when they try to say, you know, is it lawful for a man just to write, you know, as the law says, as the law of Moses said, I can write her a certificate of a divorce and send her away. And Jesus' reply to them was, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your heart. That's not the way it was at the beginning. That's not the way it is. Just because the, the God has given laws on it and talks about it and the letters here talk about it, it's not condoning it. But for those that find themselves in this boat, that have come to know the Lord here in this time and this place in the letter that he was written to, and you're a slave, this is how you're to submit. And this is where a lot of sermons, as you listen to them, make parallels between the slave-servant relationship to you and your relationship to your boss, which sometimes can feel that way sometimes can feel that way because your boss has authority over you right if you don't do what your boss says you are considered what insubordinate i heard someone say it no one said it for the first hour absolutely and if you're insubordinate enough what are they going to do with you (whistles) doors that way insubordinate it's hard to obey sometimes we have to do our job well. I've been, uh, my profession that I do for a living to make money and put food on the table is I am a custodian. It's what I dreamed about being as a child. <laughs> it's clean toilets. I clean 27 toilets a day, Monday through Friday. That's why I don't clean my toilets at home. It's the <laughs> straw that breaks the camel's back. I just can't do it. What's, what's two more toilets? You say, it's two more toilets. It's two more toilets. It can be hard to do your job sometimes. And when I first started as a custodian at St. Martin's University, there was a professor that had this quote on his wall. It's a quote by Martin Luther King. It says, If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry, Sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Oh, anything that we do, any occupation, whew, I'm getting more choked up here, second hour than first, we get to do for the Lord. Anything and everything we do is for the Lord, whether it's cleaning toilets or working in law enforcement or an accountant, stockbroker, nurse, lawyer, anything. We get to do our jobs well. And we get to submit. Ah, oh, great. More submission. Now we'll get to a less, uh, less touchy subject. Well, wives, wives and husbands, in your marital relationship, In chapter 3, verse 1, it says here, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Lord, excuse me, obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Wives, respect your husbands. Be subject to your husbands. Love them. I've been reading this book by uh, Dr. Emerson Egerich. It's called Love and Respect. My in-laws bought it for me before they were my in-laws, 12-plus years ago now. And I'm finally reading it. I'm a very slow reader. Well, when I got it, I, you know, I looked at the cover and I said, it's called Love and Respect. It's the basic gist here that women want to be loved and men want to be respected. And so I said, sweet, I'm done. I got that down. No more. I don't need to read these 300 pages. I know this. I got this. And one of the things that I think is interesting here as he's talking about it is, as I was reading that book, talking about wives and husbands, is, is, you know, the, I've grown up in church my whole life and you probably are familiar with the term unconditional love. That's the way you need to love me as your spouse. Just this unconditional way, regardless of what I do, regardless of who I am, I love you. In his book, he introduces a term that I have never heard growing up. It's a term, unconditional respect. Because in our society, in our time, respect is something that has to be earned. It's not something that is given unconditionally to our spouses. and something that we should We should, and that's a difficult thing. It's not easy. And that women, we're not supposed to be concerned with our appearances on the outside, but with the eternal character. He talks about this gentle and quiet spirit. And, you know, some people, I don't know, when you read this, you go, this isn't like saying, like, we want women to be quiet. Like, take a seat, be quiet, ladies. That's not the case here. A gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, A few years ago, when we were at family camp at Mount Hermon, Uh, There was a a speaker, he was a a younger preacher and kind of in a similar boat with mine where he's got young children at home and he was referring to the chaos of his life with all of his children running around and he referred to his children as uncircumcised Philistines. (laughs) That was what it was like living in his home with uncircumcised Philistines and the chaos that they create and the things that they do and the way they just drive you nuts and the power of mommy's Gentle and quiet spirits. It's a wonderful thing. Because my children don't listen to me. They don't respect me as a man and as a husband because I've told them what to do and they're not listening because they're three (laughs) and they're learning to listen. But this bugs me because I'm not being respected as a man. Hopefully they will grow into it more. And here, husbands, we only have one verse. The ladies have more. They have six. (laughs) But husbands, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not go or may not be hindered. First, I have to point out that this does not say that husbands are to completely understand their wives. That is a mystery that will never be true. Husbands will never completely understand their wives, and that's okay. That's okay. But it should be our aim, husbands, to understand our wives and that we should listen to them I was in a, a master's program at St. Martin's. It's originally why I moved into the custodial realm, it was so that way I could get a free education in a master's in counseling psychology. And one of the classes that I was taking was on, like, not the whole class was on listening, but, like, we had a whole day dedicated to listening, to learning how to be a good listener. Because most people, when they listen, when I'm having a conversation with you, and we're talking about our day, and we're talking, and we're talking, and we're talking, most people in their heads, while I'm talking to you, what are you doing? we're thinking about what we want to say back. And that's just even on a nice conversation. If we're having this, we're now talking about husbands and wives. we're having a heated conversation, I'm not even listening to everything you're saying because I'm thinking about what I want to say. And I'm just waiting for my time to get my words in. And husbands, we need to listen. That's one of these that can bug me. Sometimes I can identify people that are counselors or therapists, like when you talk to them, because they respond really slowly sometimes, and it drives me nuts. It's very awkward. Because you talk to them, and they've li- because they've listened to you the whole time, now there is the awkward silence time where they are now processing their re- response to you. And you just go, that's weird. Husbands, we need to listen. We need to listen. And then here it refers to women as, we need to treat our wives as weaker vessels. <laughs> oh, no, here goes the Bible again, being intolerant towards women. Women are weak. It's not what the Bible's saying. It's saying that husbands, we are to treat them as weaker vessels. So I was looking at this term vessels. I was like, Lord, get me out of this. Save me from this sermon. <laughs> and one of the first words that I looked at when I looked at vessels, it was like kitchen utensil. <laughs> I was like, what? Like this can refer biblically as a kitchen utensil? Like, treat, wives treat your, husbands treat your wives like your favorite kitchen utensil? I don't know, does anybody have one? I guess I got a knife that I really like. But yeah. But husbands, we're to treat our wives as a, a vessel, as a weaker vessel. And I want you to imagine, husbands, like like a fine china bowl, something that's very thin and very delicate. It's precious. And whenever you handle this, both physically or emotionally, you need to be very gentle and kind. caring. Because one thing that I have noticed is that I can very quickly destroy my wife's spirit with my words when I react harshly, quickly. And God doesn't want us to be husbands like that. And this is a battle that's being waged since the beginning of time. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, Verse 16, sin has now just entered the world, right? Sin is present. And God's talking about what life is now going to be like as a result of sin. He talks to the snake. He talks to the woman. He talks to the man. He's talking to Eve. He says, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So here we have this battle, and this is where sometimes people read this and they go like sex is bad or something because that your desire for your husband, like that's a bad thing. It's a result of sin. It's not the desire it's talking about here. It's the same term that's used when the serpent was desiring to, to rule and deceive Eve. It's this desire... To want to rule your husband. So now here you have wives that want to rule their husbands. And what's going to happen? As God said right here, from the beginning, and he shall rule over you. So here we have a battle, an epic battle from the beginning of husbands and wives battling for power. And this leads to problems. This leads to difficulty. This leads to heartache. And as we said in Scripture, this is what's painting from the beginning. This is as a result of sin. Is this what God wants for our marriage relationships? By no means. What will it look like for our marriages to be ones where there's mutual submission, where there's mutual love and respect? Can you imagine what it would look like in our world if all of the marriages here at LifePoint, if we modeled this, if the whole church modeled this, as all the things that are going to happen in the world and happen in society, as where things are going, if we do this well, if we do marriage well, the world is going to notice The world is going to notice and say, what's different about you? I see you. You guys have the same struggles. You have the same financial issues. You have the same battle of wills. You have the same desires. But what's different about you? What's different about you? And then we look at the institution of the church in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge of you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. To the elders, he says, shepherd, care for, watch over. Watch over the flock. And this can be a difficult process this can be a painful process sometimes because in shepherding, when you look at the words, one of the things is also inspecting. And as we as believers submit ourselves to the elders, submit ourselves to the church, sometimes the elders in church, you know, they, they can say, you know, I noticed something in your life. Something is going on. Something that's not good that we need to take care of. Not that I'm saying because you're a horrible person or I'm like, dude, what the heck are you doing here? Get out of here. You're so sinful, I can't can't take it, right? Is that I see something in your life, we see something in your life that is going to lead towards other problems or difficulties or hardships in your life and we want to address it now because we care for you. And sometimes those conversations happen and people just leave. But do we submit ourselves to that? Are we willing to submit ourselves to that, obey that? And these, these, these elders that watch over us, <laughs> they get to, they don't have to. Very early on in our marriage, uh, my wife would ask me to do some things. I don't even remember specifically, but I would respond with, do I have to? It sounds childish even now when I say it. I don't think I ever really said this, but I did. <laughs> and apparently I did it a lot because my wife would remind me, you don't have to, you get to. And so I would always think about that. I don't have to. I get to. I don't have to change diapers. I get to change diapers. I don't have to do that. I get to do that. And the elders don't have to do this. They get to. And then we all need to do it with humility. All of us. Likewise, submit ourselves. Subject ourselves to the leadership. Obey Because we're all obeying the chief shepherd, as it says here anyway. And the chief shepherd, who we looked about last time, in chapter 2, verse 23, says, Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus entrusted himself. What does that mean? He submitted He obeyed the will of his Father. When he was in the garden praying, he's headed towards the cross. The sin of the world is being poured out upon him. Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, if there's any way for us to do this, not this way, let's do that. But not my will, but your will. He modeled it. And there's always... This is the part that can be difficult. There's always going to be someone or something for us to submit to. There's no point in your life where you're going to reach the point where I have, <laughs> I have reached the state of non-submission. From when we're young, we have our parents. And as we go through life, we have bosses and we have the government and we have the spouses, we have church, we have God himself. There's always going to be someone that we have to be submissive to, almost like God wants us to practice it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take some time. And one of the things that I find interesting as we look through this letter too is that God is going to use this. Your submission is going to be used to advance the gospel. By you submitting to your spouse, God is going to advance the gospel. By your submission to the government, God will advance the gospel. He'll use it as an evangelism tool. And when the world looks at you and says, Why do you do this? Why do you live like this? They're asking for you to tell them about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. It's in preparation for kingdom living. When we all go to heaven one day, there's going to be a king. It's not going to be a democracy. We're going to be like, God, you better do a good job because in four years' time, we're voting. It's a kingdom with one king who I think will expect submission. And, of course, in these situations, as we talk about it, there's always exceptions. We talked about it. When the laws of the land conflict with the laws of God, we get to choose. There's abuse in relationships. There's certain situations where you need to run and separate yourself. But my reminder to you or my, my call and conviction to you, if you're like me, when you're quick to run to the exceptions in an area, chances are that is an area where you need to work on submission, whether that is to your spouse or to the government or the church or to your boss. So, beloved, is there an area that you're not submitting that you need to relinquish and say, Father, I submit. <laughs> I submit to the government not because I agree or because I think it is great, but because you have called me to it. Maybe there are some of you that don't know the Lord today. And this is new to you and you're listening to it and you're going this is I've never heard this before. Will you be submissive to the call of Christ, to his free gift that he's given you through Jesus Christ? That he's given you the ability to join his family to join his family, to be his son, his daughter, one that he looks after, one that he cares for, one that he loves, one that he will walk through life for the rest of your life. Everything you're going to experience, you're going to get to go through with him. And that this life is not all that there is and that he has a home for you, waiting for you beyond this. That's more than this. He wants to have a relationship with you like we sung earlier. He said, I love you first. He wants to know you. He loves you. If you'd like to know him, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. Elders would love to talk to you. If you're online, fill out the connection card, send us a message, get us an email. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you about that. Father, let's pray. Father, you know this is not my favorite topic. Father, it's like woven into my DNA to not want to be submissive. Father, it's, it's, it's kind of a staple of our country. If we don't like it, we're just going to rebel against it. We don't like people telling us what to do. We don't like being submissive. I want to be my own boss. I want to be my own king. I want to rule the roost. Father, I ask that you would help me to be submissive, that you would help us to be submissive, Father, that these aspects of our submission will be evident in our lives, in our marriages, in our relationships. Father, in everything we do, and that you would advance the gospel through it, and that you would shine a light through our lives as we listen to you, as we submit to you, Father, and that's difficult. Help us with it, Father. Reveal to us the areas that we need to pursue this better. Chances are we know now, and it just feels uncomfortable. Father, help us to act on that. Give us the power. We ask that you be with us this week. Teach us, mold us, walk with us. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.